it's always a pleasure to to be here uh, when you know with with Tim uh, we've become friends over our um, South Bay uh, cluster of pastors and so we meet sometimes maybe a couple uh, uh, once every couple months and uh, it's just always great to be with other pastors and typically I'm the only woman in there but lately there's been more people more girls more women coming up and so I'm just um, glad to be here because I think that this is always a pleasure to share what's in God's heart. Um, and so, especially this Sunday, as we are going to study a little bit about Palm Sunday, and probably will be a little different for you this morning because I bring a different take about the parallel um, triumphal entry of Jesus, but also paralleling with Deborah, which will be interesting, and I think that um, that will bring a a new life to this passage that we'll share today. But um, let's pray. Father, we thank you because we know that your presence is everywhere and not um, exclusive to certain places, Lord. Thank you because you are omnipresent. And just as you are with people that are connected in this uh, service, out of this place, Father, we know that you are also with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for holding us together in moments of crisis and also for being uh, the counselor for us, Lord, when we are suffering. But we come to you, Lord, today, um, giving you honor and glory because you are blessed and we are blessed to be your children. In your name we pray. Amen. So Palm Sunday, we're going to read off of Luke 19, 28 through 40. And uh, it says like this. After he has said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying it? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he has now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, that stones would shut out. Blessed is the king and who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And I wonder when I read this verse, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Was there war in heaven? Was there something going on in heaven that, that they had to say this? So we're going to go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God appointed judges and prophets to speak to his people. Judges had godly influence in Israel, and they were meant to lead his people to repentance, but also to victory over their enemies. That was really the, the, the reason why God appointed judges and prophets. Now, Deborah was an unprecedented 
leader because God appointed her to an esteemed position where only men were commonly assigned. Deborah held court under a palm tree. And it was in that setting that she would warn the Jewish community and urge them to step away from their evil ways and return to God. Palm trees were also an important symbol of victory because um, that's where the place where they would meet after uh, winning a battle or uh, war. So especially for the people of Israel, these were, uh, the palm trees were always the place, was also the place where they could come and gather together as a body, as people of God, and enjoy their freedom. So we will quickly examine the life of Deborah, a woman of God who in many ways parallels to the character of Christ. Now Deborah was a judge, but she was also a liberator. She was a prophet. She was a mediator. She was a counselor, an executive leader, and she was also called the mother of Israel. Now the book of Judges is directly after the book of Joshua, and it allows us to see what events came to unfold after the children of Israel entered the promised land. But the first six chapters of Judges revealed just how often Israel felt back from their ways and that the Lord and they wanted to worship and served other gods. So as you see this, in Judges 2.10 it tells us, There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, not, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. So these opened the door for false gods to enter into their worship every day. So it is, it is especially during this time of rebellion of the hearts of God's people that he raises judges to deliver them. There was always a purpose. It was to be judged, but also to be delivered from their enemies. And so Deborah became the fourth judge that God appointed. And we're going to see some parallels between Christ and Deborah. Now Deborah, at Barak's request, if you don't know the story, at Barak's request, he goes, she, uh, they goes to battle with Israel. Sisera's army was equipped with 900 iron chariots, which meant that they were outmatched. They were not meant to win in the natural, right? In the possible ways of winning a war, they, in the battle, they would not win. But the truth is that when God is in our sides, on our side, the scales always tipped off, right? Because it is not through our power, but through the power of God. So at Deborah's command, they engaged in battle, and rather than being overthrown and retreated, in verse 18 it says, And the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and all his army into a panic before Barak. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. So Sisera was the only man standing, the last man standing of the Canaanites army and sought refuge in the tent of a woman again named Jael. But when he thought that was his refuge, it was actually his demise. On verse 21 it says, but Jael, wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hands and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground he was lying fast asleep from weariness, and he died. Now in here we see a parallel with the children of Israel and ourselves. When we forget what God has done for us, when we forget what he has delivered us from, it's very easy to step back into our old behaviors. Now Israel was a nation that failed to do what Joshua did as an individual, right? 
So at some point in our lives, we all need a judge, but we also need a deliverer. Now in here we see that Deborah and the Jesus parallel, we go back to Genesis. Genesis 3.15 says, God tells the Father, God the Father tells Satan of his demise through Christ. He shall bruise you on the head. The way in which Sisera is killed illustrates what God has said in Genesis and what Christ did in the New Testament. Through his shedding of his blood, his death and resurrection, he delivers us from the blow to the enemy. Deborah parallels Christ because her leadership brought a great defeat to the enemy, just as Christ defeated Satan on the cross. So it's critical for us to remember that God and what he has done for us, for us and for our lives is the way that he reminds us that he loved us. And not only he told us, but he demonstrated it through his power. So our victory is not just on what he has done, it's also on who God is and what he is continually doing even today. Deborah, unlike her predecessors, she was a prophetess and a judge, and God gave her that strategy that she needed to defeat Sisera, the commander. God mobilized his army, and the battle went under. Now, Hosanna, save us now. This is what we celebrate today, right? Because we always need saving from God. And there was a moment in our lives that we decided to follow Jesus, and then it was an, a, an instant uh, revelation of the need of Jesus. But we should be converting our thoughts and our hearts and our ways every day. There is one conversion where we realize we need God. But every day of our lives, we should be reminded that there are little things in our hearts, or maybe big things in our hearts, that we need continually conversion. And this in the New Testament, Palm Sunday focused on Jesus. Now Jesus, he was also, he's also a judge, he's also a liberator, he's also a prophet, he's also a mediator, he's also a counselor, an executive leader, and he is the king of Israel. And this is precisely what's happening in the New Testament as he um, was coming as a triumphal, triumphal entry. So Palm Sunday focuses on Jesus when he came into Jerusalem and he rode on a donkey as king, which of course later we know that this is the beginning of a week of passion and so later it led him to his crucifixion. Now palm branches were used by the people of Jerusalem to usher Jesus into the city while they shouted, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And all the things that Jesus had done prior was what led him, led them to praise him in this moment. He had healed the sick, he had casted out demons, he had in some ways revealed who God was. Now as Jesus was making his way into the city, the crowd welcomed him as the king. And many of them, you know, they spread their clothes, that this is maybe what we, should, we would do today, or maybe not, but this is what they did and he rode on the donkey. Now for a long time they had been promised a king and they, had, and they were waiting for a long time. Have you encountered yourself in that moment of waiting and waiting and wondering what to do in the waiting? Now they were, they were promised a king, their Messiah, the one to save us, Hosanna. 
all oppression would disappear from that kingdom, right? They would get then peace, prosperity, and joy forever. That was the promise, that the promise that was with the king, they would enjoy all of that. So the fulfillment of this promise would totally change the fate of humanity, but including also those of <clears throat> animals and the rest of creation. Jesus not only came to save us, he came to complete and to give a new meaning and a new purpose to all of creation, including animals and Mother Nature. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the Israelites were excited that Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, came to overthrow Rome and conquer the whole world to establish peace. Wouldn't we be happy that if we were promised the king, that if we were promised prosperity, if we were promised peace, that we would actually accept it? But Jesus had other plans. And even though he did fulfill God's promise, he did not fulfill or meet the people's expectations. And I think that happens to us too, right? Those, when we are in the waiting of the establishment of his kingdom, we follow Christ, but there's still pain in our lives, there's still crisis in our lives, there are still moments that we ask ourselves, why is this happening to me? We want that deliverance. And the king and, and uh, the Israelites were expecting the political and the social deliverance, which was the big gap on what their expectation was from what Jesus was able to do and was planning to do. Now the religious authorities <clears throat> were around. They were evil. They wanted to defy Jesus in every way. And Jesus was predicting his own death at that moment, but he was also disturbing those religious leaders, pushing them closer to what the inevitable would be later on that week. They didn't believe that Jesus was the king or the Messiah. So in return, they accused him of claiming to be the king, and this is what led to his death. Therefore, Palm Sunday not only marked the final week of Jesus, When we think about, if you think, if you could want to transport yourself to Palm Sunday precisely on that day, could you imagine the feeling of Jesus? He knew what he, what he was going for. He knew that all those people that said, blessed be the king and we honor you, later on would turn on him. So in this space, in Palm Sunday, it not only started to mark the final week of Jesus' life, but it also marked a very vital and sacred space when God came to meet humanity. When we think of Jesus, and maybe Jerusalem, all those in there on Palm Sunday, and, and, and that Palm Sunday, they didn't think that he was God. They were thinking of the king. They were thinking of, they were thinking of deliverance. But Jesus had a divine appointment with them in his mission. Now God came in human form to deliver them. And his story develops in such a magnificent way that God's creation and God's action began to take place not by riding a horse, which was typically the way that they were expected, but by riding a donkey. Now this symbolizes peace. So peace in heaven, right? What we said earlier. There was no war in heaven. It was just a way of saying that from heaven would come peace to earth. 
And this is the way that Jesus also demonstrated his nature and the nature of his kingdom, which is always a kingdom of peace. Now he rides the most unmilitary animal imaginable. A female nursing donkey with her little colt trotting along beside her. And when we think about that, the animal couldn't even, couldn't, couldn't even hold a, a, regu a regular person's weight because he was not mature enough yet. So as we picture this scenario, the question comes to mind, and let's think about that. Let's think about God's action and the encounter Jesus was about to have with these people. And when we think about it, where are we in this picture? Is Jesus the king that we are expecting today to save us from all evil? You know, as a mom, we all, as parents, we always want for our kids not to suffer, right? We want to avoid pain whatsoever. But in reality, we should prepare him for a life of crisis and difficulties. Because Jesus is not just going to come and save us from all evil. We still have to experience this nature. You know, we still have to experience the sinful nature that we have in our lives. If Jesus was the one to transform our lives, wouldn't we teach each other to be part of this body that when one suffers, the other one should as well? So this not only marked the final week of Jesus, it marked this space a vital space where God meets humanity. So Palm Sunday is the beginning of the end. Palm Sunday is the beginning of this week the life of Jesus would end. So the triumphal entry not only marked victory over the exile, but there's also an eschatological found, uh, uh, hope that we, found, that we find in Jesus. Because it is through him that we will experience God's kingdom today, precisely because of his actions and precisely because of what he did for us, we can enjoy God's kingdom today. He is always doing the Father's will, and he is always delivering us from that. And he does it with, hum hum with humility, and he, la he does it deliberately. He's not just thinking, oh, today, you know, I'm going to see what Susan needs. No, he's deliberately knowing and thinking what we need every day. But he does it with humility. So the people's response suggests a spontaneous royal affirmation, right? With the wrong expectation of liberation. They wanted to be delivered, but not the way that they were expecting. They had seen the miracles of Jesus. But in reality, it was Yahweh, it was the Father performing the miracles through Jesus in human form. You see that gap in there? It was Jesus in human form, but it was actually the Father doing the miracles through the life of Jesus in human form. He was the one that calmed the seas. So in a way, Jesus embodies, in a mysterious way, the very presence of victorious Yahweh because he is the one that delivers us. Then Jesus became this um, deliverer, a lawyer, right? A counselor, a liberator that is always advocating for us. Jesus is always advocating for us. Isn't that a great thought? That even though we fall short all the time, we have Jesus advocating for us. 
So this marks the moment of Jesus' inauguration of the kingdom, of God's kingdom. And this is what closes the gap of judgment. This is precisely what closes the, the place, the vital space where God meets humanity and we are delivered. And this is where the palm trees connected to Deborah. This is the place of judgment. That's where Deborah would perform um, the, the, the moment of judgment to her people. So this was not possible if Jesus had not experienced the sacrifice of dying through the cross. We would still be guilty today with no hope of ever entering peace or ever entering the kingdom. So the steadfast love of God. And when I read this word and I've studied this word, the steadfast love of God, it, mean, it means that it's constant that it never ends. It's just there. God's love is just always there. It never leaves our lives. But we live in this body and in this world that is broken. So the steadfast and perfect love of God manifested on Palm Sunday. Because Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew what was coming. So God meets us through Jesus. And this is the moment that he that he, that he uh, propitiated, and it was a moment of judgment and decision. This moment, Jesus could have said, mm, maybe I'll back up, and I won't do it. But at the same time, he knew that he had to be obedient, and that he did it because of his steadfast love, because he's constantly loving us. Now, it appears that being in Jesus' kingdom would be... Um, enough that we would actually stand up for him, right? That he needs for us to stand up for him. But the irony is that the same crowd that was cheering on him on Palm Sunday, they were actually silent on Good Friday. And that is the truth of our lives, even today. We praise him, but then we fall back. And then on Good Friday, we are silent. Jesus was full of expectancy of what he was about to show to his people. His most amazing action of love, but they didn't understand it. And it's so easy for us to say, oh, I wouldn't do that, right? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be acting like them. But they don't know what we know today. They were expecting the king to come and deliver us, deliver them. So his full expectation and the fact that they didn't understand it brings us to today. Today is the day that Jesus comes and visits you. Today is the, the day that Jesus comes to visit you through Christ. Every day of your life, with new mercies every day, God is propitiating a new moment. God is propitiating a moment of delivering you because he knows what's going to happen during your every single day of your life. So the question is, who is Jesus? What has he shown to us in your own life? Think about your own story. Take a moment to just think about how God saved you or what God saved you from or where were you that God has delivered you every single day. And to think that in those moments is precisely Yahweh, God, being in your moment in human form through Jesus. 
And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, right? Because he is the one that now walks with us. We are not alone. We are not left alone. So when you think about it, the question for today is, who is Jesus in my life? Who is Jesus in God form today? How does he, how does he save me every day? How is he saving you today? Now, one way is because Jesus shares his nature with us. And this is where he identified with us. And he understands our problems and our needs. After this, this moment of greatness for the kingdom of, of inaugurating, for Jesus to come and ride on a donkey and bring peace, he saw Jerusalem and he cried precisely because he knew that his people will turn on him. So what miracles has God performed in your life? And we think of miracles as this amazing story that we could tell, but every single day as you breathe, your life is a miracle. You get up every morning, you're not doing anything. You're breathing without effort. It just happens. But we think, oh, it's not because of our own effort. It's because God is allowing us to breathe today. And yet, you know, we don't take care of our bodies sometimes or we overdo it, but God is always delivering. So what miracles, what signs are coming from God to you today? What are, what are his teachings that you read in the Bible that are speaking to you today? This Jesus is the one who sits to you right next to you right now. He's sitting right here with us. He's sitting right next to you at this moment. We cannot understand it, the fact that he can be here in other places. But he is the one that from the very beginning of creation has been with us and thought of us. So it is clear that Jesus was the one sent by God. So today marks the beginning of the end. Today is the moment that we encounter Jesus again. Today is the moment that we could either look from afar and criticize or we can raise the palm trees, palm branches and say, blessed be the king who comes in the name of the Lord and he can bring us peace and love or we can lose that opportunity because on Good Friday, it'll be totally different. But once you do, once you are encountering with Jesus, the beautiful part is that you are no longer under judgment. You are free and able to live in his kingdom as he expected it, as he wants you to live every moment of this world that is um, dangerous, that it threatens our lives, that, but at the same time we can enjoy eternal life today. The moment that you decided to, to follow Jesus, that was the moment that you began to enjoy eternal life. We just have to enjoy it while we are still in this body. So God is here through Jesus and the Holy Spirit as we worshiped. Because God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of everything that he has done for us and was we give him thanks by our worship. By the way, thank you so much. That was a beautiful worship this morning. I really enjoyed it. I, want, I was actually dancing a little bit. <laughs> because when, I, when, when, when we worship God, we enter this moment precisely to praise Him of how He has delivered us 
from all evil. Now God is also here through Jesus and the Holy Spirit because we learn. We had studied a little bit about Deborah. We have began to understand how God had everything planned out and how he came for the people of Israel. But as Gentiles, we were also blessed with God's love and with God's deliverance. And this is how we are able to learn. God also teaches us as we learn to live our lives when we see other people, our neighbors, our pastors, our leaders, our spouses, our children. We learn from each other about each other's stories because each person, God has a story for. God has delivered them as, as, at the moment that they have um, realized that they need it. So as you see these parallels, I would also like to encourage you that God is here through Jesus and the Holy Spirit as you serve. How are you serving today? Now, Deborah spoke words of encouragement, and she was also mediating. So think about all those titles, you know, that uh, parallels that we saw between Deborah and Jesus. Who are we helping? Who are we serving? Who are we allowing them to be who they are and to be able to um, overthrow any enemy that they have through the love of Jesus Christ? Because that is our job. That is what we are to do with God's deliverance, that we are also to help others so they can see the need of them being delivered as well. So my prayer for you today is that you praise God as you encounter him every day, not just on Palm Sunday, but every day that you encounter Jesus, that you will praise him for what the things are that he has delivered you from. And you know, when we are actually silent and we actually start to listen to God and we start to see our, our lives from the very beginning, we are able to see the amazing ways that he has delivered us from. Those small moments that we thought it was just a coincidence. It was not a coincidence. That was Jesus moving through the Holy Spirit to save you. Even as you're driving, right? And you think, you know, you, you just get out of your house automatically and you get from one place to another thinking that you have the power to move that car. Well, God was clearing the way, right? And that's, those are the little moments, the little miracles that God encounters us. God can be encountered also in nature. You know, I love the fact that you are going on hikes. And that's a great moment to realize how we can be related to creation because they are part of this new creation that God uh, sent Jesus for to deliver us from. So we are a new creation. Now, we should live our lives with joy. Who is joyful today? Everyone? Yeah, I see smiles all around. Joy should be that gift that we have in the midst of anything that's going on around us. And that's difficult. That's really hard to do. But that's the joy that it's actually to be experienced through the deliverance of God in our hearts. So as you celebrate today with palm branches or not, as you celebrate, celebrate the joy, but also celebrate the hope that we have. Because the kingdom inaugurated with Jesus, and it will close when he comes back for his church. And that will be a great moment where we actually will experience eternal life forever. And just the thought of it, we can start doing it today. 
How are you encountering Jesus through your trials? How are you encountering Jesus through those moments of, of illness? How are you encountering those moments that Jesus through raising your kids, through loving your spouse, through respecting your boss? Those are the little things of how we encounter Jesus every day of our lives. So what we desire is to abide in him. What we desire is to be with Jesus always. But you know that in order to experience, sometimes we must absolutely do nothing except just wait in him. And that's where our human nature comes in, in battle with, 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 with ourselves, right? In the waiting for Jesus to actually um, work in our lives. So may the peace and joy of God be with you today as you encounter him. I would invite for you to uh, journal, to put your thoughts in a piece of paper. Um, we're not used to pick paper and pencils anymore or paper and pens anymore, but it is incredibly amazing what happens when we actually put our thoughts in a paper. So as you go home today, just take a moment of your, of your, of your day to write down your thoughts of how God has delivered you and how God has saved you and that he is the only one worthy to be praised and that we may not be silent on Good Friday, but to actually um, celebrate uh, the fact that he loved us by shedding his blood and by his body being broken for us because it didn't end in there. The week didn't end on Friday. Actually, the week ended on Sunday when he became victorious over death. And that is the greatest gift that any of us could have as a follower of Christ. And may that be also your legacy to other generations, to your children and the children of your children. And because we are um, fragile, and um, when we think about uh, passing on the faith, passing on the baton, telling your kids about those stories of deliverance will totally change their perspective of who God is because they will know that it wasn't because you're the most amazing mom or dad, although you are, but because God delivered you from everything. Let's pray.